Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days, you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Today, we are talking about generational wealth. What up, Big Matt? Oh, uh, Sean. Um, hey, hey. Hey, 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 Sean. <laughs> I'm here, yes, as I am Stay every week. your position, brother. Today you are a guest. What? I am the co-host. <laughs> Listen, this A-Love thing, you've gone too far, brethren. You've gone too no, far. No, this is a host. Listen, both of you guests who have yet to be introduced need to be quiet. Matt, please I got continue. backup today. Backup, backup. Exactly. Matt Smith here, A-Love here. We're hosting Two Black Guys with Good Credit, and we have some wonderful guests. And today we are discussing generational wealth because that's something we all aspire to, or we should all want and aspire to have. So, Arlington. Yes, sir. What are your thoughts on generational wealth? Any two cents you want to chime in real quick? Matt, I think generational wealth is the key to closing the wealth gap. And I believe, like, the next generation shouldn't have to fall into the holes you fell into. Yeah. Yeah, powerful. Well, let, let's, let's like turn that. it See, see how A-Love brings it? See how A-Love brings it? A-Love brings it. You definitely bring it. <laughs> That's not two cents worth. You got about a penny and a half on that Well, <laughs> Ouch. Be- be- before we introduce Eater. our guest. Quiet guest. <laughs> can, can, can we get from the lady with the facts? Dion, can you define generational wealth? Yeah, I mean, this word gets thrown around a lot, doesn't it? But at the end Ooh, of the day, that. what does it really mean? So just to make it really simple, it is wealth that is passed down from one generation to the next. And it can take many forms. It could be in the form of heirlooms. Um, For all who want to know, an heirloom means I gave you a lamp that was very valuable (laughs) to me and may be valuable in the marketplace. However, what we're really talking about today is really assets that actually generate income that you don't necessarily have to work for. Okay. Right? And I'd like to, I would add also mindset. Because you, passing along some good information is valuable. Absolutely. That's invaluable. All right. Well, let's introduce our guests today. Today we are joined by an elderly gentleman named Sean Linda. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm a guest, right? You are a guest today, Sean. You are a guest. I created this, mother. <laughs> this is my. 
<laughs> How am I against? I want my Sean? cut. And See what Sean? happens with black people partner? All of a sudden, now you become the guest in the house. <laughs> you are the guest. Uh, uh, we will ask you questions and expect to hear from you at that time and at that time only. On to the next guest, please, Matt. We are also joined today by another guest. Oh, Jenna. can I do this one? Sure, Dion, <laughs> please, by all means. Well, it's with great pleasure to invite David Germain, also a.k.a. my uh, life partner, fiancé. Um, okay. Yeah. Oh, very this is a ringer. proud black to have him join us on the show. Give <laughs> it up for black love. Brothers yeah. Yeah. man. All right. All right. <laughs> but staying on topic, so we have our guests, and they are both knowledgeable in the topic of generational wealth. So, gentlemen, can you um, talk to me? Give me your general thoughts. Like, you know, if you were to just give me the headline, when you think about generational wealth, each of you. Let's start with you, Sean. When you think generational wealth, what do you think? It starts with a mindset, you know, with me. And it really began, honestly, when I had my first son, of making sure that, you know, his challenges don't become my challenges don't become his challenges, and I create a path for him to excel for, and for the next generations to follow. So it's really about, like Dion mentioned, and the true definition, not spending everything you have or using up everything you have in your lifetime and making sure you have something to pass on to the next generation that they can leverage and, and grow for the next generation to follow. You know, I want that plaque on the wall or picture on the wall of my face, and hopefully the picture will turn from color to black and white. I'm just like, that guy up there, a great, great granddaddy, Sean, help make this happen. That's it. You know? Nice. David, how about gotcha, you? When, when you think of generational wealth, why is it important to you? Well, it first says in the Bible, a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children and his children's children. So, you know, I think of legacy, you know, where just like how when Jesus laid down his life to die for our sins, it's you sacrificing your life so that you can make the lives of others better around you. And like Sean said, it is a mindset. You know, it's also um, learning how to create the wealth as well. Um, but leaving it for your kids so that your kids' kids won't have to struggle and go through the same things or the, the struggles that you went through. They may be a different type of struggle, you know, because when you have wealth, that's a whole different type of struggle as well. Right. Um, but, more money, more problems? Uh, being <laughs> center, right? I'll take that problem. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, just so that, you know, the next life, the next generation, their lives will be easier like my mother did to me. All right. You, you know me, Matt. I try and hog as much airtime as I can possibly get. Yeah. It's just how – shut up, Sean. Be a guest. <laughs> Matt, what are the rules on removing a guest mid-show? <laughs> I've got the hook. You let me know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just give him the hook. We have security on standby. So. <laughs> Thank as you. As, Thank the you. Great, I so as, the, as, as I quote Mr. O.J. Simpson, if the glove fits, wow. you must wow. quit. <laughs> wow. O.J. Okay, so going back to the topic, you guys are both, you're still alive. So clearly, you you're still alive. You're still Hopefully. <laughs> youthful to midlife. You haven't passed on your assets yet. So tell me your story. Like, what is your story when it comes to generational wealth? And I'll start with you, Sean, and please be brief. Where are you at? Where are you at in the um, process? You know, of the eye opening. Well, path? you said where it started from, obviously, saving for my kids, like I mentioned. And then, like, one of where the, are you? What is it? What have you accumulated? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to Well, pass I always on? say, you know, I'm a huge fan of assets versus cash. So, mm -hmm. you know, I always tell my kids, I may not have five cents to give you when I pass, but I want to make sure that I have assets to provide to you when I pass. 
I think to me, assets go longer rather than give them reserves of cash, especially if they don't have the knowledge of knowing how to leverage it. So I'm all about in my lifetime now, I'm trying to give them assets at a minimal cost, meaning paying off my mortgages, paying off the debt and giving to them debt free so they can use that asset to leverage to live the life they choose to live. I don't instruct my kids to do anything beyond being happy and having a game plan about what it takes for you to achieve happiness. If they want to work for sanitation, if they want to be an artist, if they want to be a lawyer, doctor, it really doesn't matter to me what they choose to be in life as long as they're enjoying it. Because I've met people in all the fields I just mentioned and not happy. So if my passing on of my generational wealth, which is buildings where it gives them revenue that they can live that life of happiness, then that's done its job. So you're passing along buildings, is that right? You, yeah, and cash is a bonus. You know, I, I, cash is, and, and knowledge. You know, they, I've, I've managed the expectation already to know that, you know, like my buildings, my son that lives with me, he knows that I tell him I'm a tenant in his building. You know, I'm already transitioning his mind to know that I am his tenant. You know, my other son, the, the multifamily they have for him, he comes with me to collect rent checks, deposit them, because he knows that that is his building. So... I already positioning that mindset to know, hey, daddy may not have more cash to give you, but he's going to have some assets that you can use to live your life. So, so Sean, you. You, you're talking about passing on property to your children. David, your mother actually passed on property to you. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So to you um, and your brothers and sisters, right? Yes. Right. So when I was younger, I got hit by a car and I got a settlement and unfortunately, where I come from in East Flatbush, Brooklyn. Big up to Big up. East Flatbush, Brooklyn. The 90s. What you know about that, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, growing up in the 90s, if you remember New Jack City and the Juice era, you know, from those days in the movies, you know, that was truly how life was for me and seeing that. And that's what I thought wealth was at the time, having a nice car with rims and a nice booming system where you could hear me coming down the block. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That was but, me, boy, and seat tilted back. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I used to have my, oh, that, my stereo wait, in my hand so it doesn't in, fall out. All the wires trying not to get shocked. That was me, the seat, bro. The six CD changer, the 12 discs in the back. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Did it light up? Did it light up? Hell yeah. That shit. My stuff lit, lit up. So, you know, you that's what I thought, you know, success was. And, you know, when I got hit by a car, I got a settlement. And it was about $100,000. And here I am, 18 years old. And you know, when you're 18, you don't really know what life is all about. You think you know what life is all about. You think you're a big man. You think you know everything, but you really don't. And when I got the money, um, basically I blew $90,000 in like four months, which is crazy. Wow. You know, and you know... That Would must that... have been a fun four months, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. I had a lot of fake friends. I had a lot of friends because I went from... I would have been your friend. <laughs> <laughs> Making it rain. Went from zero, from nothing to so ashy to classy, right? Mm -hmm. and <laughs> next thing you know, um, I'm down on my last 10000 and my mom said, boy, that money was supposed to be used for college or to buy a house, but I'm not thinking about buying a house at 18 years old. And, you know, she end up taking the money from me because we had a joint account and she used that to buy, get an FHA home loan to buy a house in Park Slope, uh, which is a two-family for 130000 at the time in the 90s when Brooklyn was cheap. And for those who don't know where Park Slope is, that's a, a really prominent neighborhood now in Brooklyn. But at the time, she what, bought the 
you know, it was, a, it was still an up-and-coming neighborhood to a yeah. certain extent, and she bought the ugly house, I guess, yeah. on the block. Oh, real estate investing 101, bought the ugliest house on the best block. So now that investment of, you know, getting the FHA home loan, which is 3.5% down, and that turned into a gold mine, you know, where, you know, the equity built over the time, and next thing you know, we was able to take the equity out and then buy a, a couple more properties, and next thing you know, we went from one property to two to three to four then to five. And that's pretty much how that legacy and that generational wealth was created, which made my life, my sister's life, my brother's life much, much, much more easier. Thanks, David, for that. Um, what your mom did was actually really unique in that um, in this day and age, uh, African-Americans uh, really aren't leaving much of an inheritance, even till this day. Um, it's really only about $10,000. Things going to change around here now, though. We... Yeah, we're on the front line. Two lines. black guys with good credit changing things around here. Exactly. That's right. Um, because right Why now... Why does Sean sound like a cowboy? I have no idea. He sounds like a... <laughs> <laughs> um, but because right now we're leaving on average about $10,000 for yeah. our heirs, right? And your mother was able to leave well beyond that. Yeah. So I definitely just want to say kudos to her. Yeah. And Sean, so I have a quick thing for you. You, aside from the buildings that you have been accumulating on your own, you also benefited from an inheritance from your mom. Absolutely. You know, um, Can you tell us about that? My mom passed away uh, December 29th, 2013. And you know, it's funny, um, she was diagnosed with cancer. We got the news December 5th, 2013, and then she died three weeks later. And at that time, you know, she was living a healthy and she was fine. And oh, so we mom never. And my mom the same, man. Yeah. So I never had any expectations of I think anything she ever happening to my Yeah, possibly. So when um, when I did get the news, you know, I grew up with a single mother. You know, my mother never talked about finances, never talked about savings or anything like that. So in my head was that she didn't have it, and I had to have to start scrambling, putting money together to make sure that, you know funeral and those type of things were taken care of and done in the way that my mom would be proud of me to do so i started all those preparations doing all those things and you know i had the opportunity to sit by my mom's side right by her side the day she passed away i was the last to see her she held my hand and you know as i was going through the process i figured out mama linda had some money (laughs) (laughs) she set you up she wasn't you know she was saving and she had she you know to my surprise and i'm proud to say you know she paid for her own funeral. I didn't pay for it. She paid for it. True. My mom, too. Exactly. And then to go even further, you know, she had life insurance. And, you know, I'm not saying we had millions of dollars, but between my sister and I, it was well over six figures that we got from my mom's life insurance, which um, not only started my generational, well, not only started my generational wealth, but started my sister's generational wealth, who at that time was in, was married and just had her house with her, her and her husband, but she was able to buy an investment property nice. that's generating great income for her. I was able to convert a building I had in Barbados from uh, a house to uh, five apartments now, which, which I Airbnb and generates great income. And her kids, my sister's kids, my kids, have all stayed at both places. They know it's theirs. They know those places are passing on. You know, my sister even named her building after my mom, which is called Penny's Place. Beautiful. You know, and that was from, you know, a a little over 100,000 in life insurance from my mom that we were able to, like, use that money to really build, like, a legacy for 
have umpteen years to follow. I know between my sister and I, those properties will be around for a long, long time. Far and as long as they don't sell them, they don't call people like me to sell them. That's the problem. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and if I didn't mention, David is a real estate broker, investor, and instructor. Well, well, let me ask the two. Let me shift gears real quick here. So in terms of just the mindset of generational wealth and just and the process, the pathway, how would you guys characterize your own position in this journey? Do, Do you think you've you've made the cut on, on the wealth part, or are you still a work in progress? Or how do you see yourselves in this process, in this process? Well, I'm definitely still a work in progress, you know, every day, you know, as I look back over the mistakes that, you know, my mom made. So one of the first mistakes that she made, even though she bought the house was not putting in the LLC, right. For protection. That was one of the things I realized. Uh, one of the other mistakes that she made, uh, was she didn't have a proper will. And, you know, a lot of people don't know the difference between a will and a trust. And a will, even though you have a will and it signs an executor, you're still going to be paying a lot in taxes. And sometimes the courts give the executor a hard time to transfer the deed over to the the, the heirs. Um, but if you have a trust, which I learned, you know, just recently, you know, within the last year or two, you know, if she had a trust, we would have to go through no probate court. Everything would just be transferred. No, you don't pay any um, mansion tax, nothing. You just transfer it over, you know. So I actually had to pay a mansion tax because of the fact that the inheritance that my mother left was over a million dollars. So, you know, I had to pay that mansion tax. And if my mom would have known to just put it in the trust, you know, we would have saved some money on that aspect when, she, when, the, when the properties were transferred over. Sean? Can I ask you a quick question? Hold it before Sean answers. David, are you paying that tax out of personal funds? Like, where does the money? Are you paying that out of her life insurance policy? Where's the money come from? Like, you know, someone gives you a two million dollar inheritance. You're just living your day to day life at whatever your income level is. How do you pay that tax? That tax is actually paid when it's actually sold or transferred over. So. Um, Sold as in the prop, as right. in one of the properties. Yeah, whenever you decide to sell any of those properties, you're paying transfer tax. Oh, and, so you're paying, and it it's then. on the estate. Okay, so it's not at the time of inheritance. Right. It's attached to the property that you inherit, and it's, at some point you have to pay it. And just to be honest, I had a very good lawyer, so right. he, he worked magic <laughs> around that. So I can get you, you know, more information from the attorney that did this job because it was. It was not an easy process, and it was stressful right. too. Shout him out. What's his name? So in case you want to get in contact. Oh, Donovan Griffin's in the Bronx. All right. Um, well, Sean, how about yourself on this pathway, this generational wealth journey? Where do you have you arrived? You, what would you see yourself still in the in a work in progress? I think I'll always continue till the day I die. I'll always be a work in progress. There's always things that you can do, do better, improve better, mm-hmm. make things easier, transition, and I'm. Not only about building generational wealth, I'm about building generational knowledge. Yes. You know, and hence when Dion and I started this financial literacy journey, it was really about packaging what we've learned in our lifetime and our generations of life and putting a plan around that to teach kids, you know, things what to do, how they can plan better, how they can do better. Because, you know, I had I had a I had a talk with myself, you know, I said, Yeah, I'm a father, but I, I'm a black man first, you know, and I wanted to make sure that my knowledge was passed on to other kids and yep. that came up in my situation that they could learn from me. Because mm-hmm. if I had a Sean Linda, a Matt Smith, yes. a David Germain in my life at, you know, 14 years old, if they just walked Game up to changer. me on the basketball, oh, my God, I would be like a totally Man. different person. So um, 
I try to make sure I pass on generational knowledge and um, and then focus on creating generational wealth. And I'm not bloodline tied as well. Like, I don't think I need, like, to be quite frank, if I see my kids are not doing the things that they need to be doing. Wait, what do you mean bloodline tied? What does that mean? I learned as I get older, blood does not define family. Facts. Oh, let me gotcha. tell you, man. Listen, <laughs> so my I have strangers wealth, do more for yeah, me than my, my own family. Exactly. Just because you are my cousin from my whole life, but you have not done as much as Matt Smith, Arlington Forbes, Dion Nichols have done in my life, does not mean that you're going to trump them. You know, so my generational wealth does not necessarily always mean passing on to my kids. It's passing on to those that can, you know, keep it going. And like with regards to my kids and people that are listening, I'm not saying that I'm going to exit them out, but there may be a plan if I don't think they're responsible the way I should be that I may let person X manage the estate and just give them a, a fixed amount every month to help them through. But yeah. um, it's really, you know, it's about I've seen people like lose everything they have to people that they know right about after the person's not responsible. Yes. And if, if that's the case, then. You know, I have to change my plan. And I've been good enough in life to have a lot of great people around me that I can trust in that's going to continue the hard work that I've put in the last 40 plus years on, on this planet. Well, let me ask you something, because I think this is a key thing, both of you guys. And this is what I think Matt was trying to get at as well. When people hear the term generational wealth, that the, the generations is one part, but the wealth is the big. Do you guys feel wealthy? Like, do you feel wealthy in the scope of that term generational wealth? Or do you feel more like you have adapted a generational wealth mindset and approach to your finance? I'm going to say, and I'll let you speak, David. That's okay? I think both. I, I would say this. I think any person would be very foolish to think that they've built wealth in, a, in their lifetime. Mm -hmm. we, we can all become rich. We can all become successful. But to, if they really know wealthy people, if you've ever sat beside a person that's wealthy, and know mm -hmm. how deep it runs. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, I don't want to go back to slave years, but but that's why there's an advantage. There's a clear advantage to people that are wealthy that come where their money's clearly gotten from part of getting free labor 200 years ago, and their family had it for 400 years straight. There's a clear advantage to that, and that wealth does not go away. Yeah, it's funny you should say that. There's a couple of researchers... Um their names are Joanna Taylor and um, Tajana, what's her last name, Mashid. And they did a study um, in 2018, and that was exactly what they said. It's very sticky. You know, once you've already had money, it doesn't go away. So 12 generations after the emancipation, there's a reason why, you know, we're, we're it's going to take a while to catch up. Yeah, but we do have people in every generation that amass a fortune that will provide for generations to come if managed properly. And we have people that amass massive fortunes and lose them, you know, lose them as well. I'm hoping my grandchildren will say they are, they've have, they're generational, they have generational they're wealthy. wealth. They're wealthy. Yeah. You think your grandchildren will Yeah, I don't wealthy. think my kids, they'll be, they'll become hopefully rich and comfortable in life. But I think the next generation, if, if my kids build on what I have, I think they will become, that my grandchildren will become wealthy. Will they be like, Oh yeah, that man on the wall helped start this, you know. Right. This is the guy in the black and white photo. David, what do you think? Well, you feel I'm gonna, wealthy? Yeah, I'm going to just quote something from Bob Marley and he said the greatness of a man is not 
in how much wealth he acquires, but in his integrity and his ability to affect those around him positively. Rastafari. I think if two black guys had like a board of wealthy, of, of financial people, Somehow, Bob Marley's face would be on that <laughs> board. Like, we quote this guy constantly. But, you know, when I think of people like, you know, because wealth, if put in the right hands, can be can do a lot of good in the world. And I look at people like Bill Gates and Melinda Gates, where they start to build Gates, and they're looking to eradicate, you know, um, Caloric, I mean, water, have clean water. Right. Can you imagine in this day and age is not clean water in certain countries? And they're looking to help with. Yeah, Detroit. Clean, you know, with, with establishing clean water and toilets and eradicating certain diseases that if you don't have the money, you can't do that, you know? So, but if you have money in the, and it's put into the wrong hands, you know, it could be used for evil, you know, people want to. <laughs> all right well so we've set the stage here we, we've discussed kind of the foundation for sean and david's generational wealth uh let's take a quick break and when we come back we're going to discuss that wealth mindset so stay tuned for more two black guys with good credit Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Today, we are talking about the generational wealth mindset. And recently, actually, I read an article and a, a writer talked about how it's not necessarily about generational wealth you want to leave for your heirs, which there's nothing wrong with that. But he talked about wanting to leave a generational opportunity, be, being able to leave something where your kids, your heirs have an opportunity to build uh, so when, when you think about a mindset, David, t- tell me, like, what makes up a generational wealth mindset? You know, when I hear, you know, people who been in poverty for 50 years, you know, that is crazy to me. You know, there's only supposed to be one generation of poverty. The next generation is supposed to do better than the next. But you know what? It says in the Bible, Hosea 4, verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Every problem that we all have in life is a knowledge problem because if we knew better, we would make better decisions, better choices, and we knew how to invest. If we knew the difference between assets and liabilities, assets are something that make money if you work for it or not, and that a liability is something that takes money from you whether you work or not. And I think that when I learned the difference between an asset and a liability, and I was able to define what assets are and liabilities, that's when the wealth creation started for me. And also learning about seven different, that most millionaires and billionaires have seven to ten different streams of income. You know, we're only talking about linear income where you trade hours for dollars, you know. We're not talking about having several streams, you know. We only know, go to school, get education, work a job. And then that doesn't lead to generational wealth. Now, I don't know anybody that's a millionaire that worked a job, you know. Not disrespecting anybody that works a job, but, you know, let's create jobs. Let's Let's own businesses, you know, and have buildings where if you have a building with a 50-unit building and yet and the average rent is like $2,000 a month on a 50-unit building, that's $100,000 in, in what we call residual income where you're getting that every month. And if you factor that over a 12-month time, that's $1.2 million just by buying one building. Well, what if we downsize instead of a building? What if it's just one home? How can owning one home translate into gener- generational wealth or, or a building? It's like Monopoly. Remember when we played Monopoly as kids? Mm-hmm. One house, one little greenhouse, 
two greenhouse, three greenhouse, and then the fourth house where you tore what? And people a hotel. are pissed at me because I done take up the whole market, man. <laughs> <laughs> I lay it out the board. Pass, go, before you pass, go give me some money, dog. <laughs> <laughs> But your mom's a perfect example, right? You take the equity out of one. It, it's it, there's success always leaves clues, right? Yes. I remember when I was looking for properties in New York when I first came here, and, and at that time in my neighborhood, you know, brownstones were four hundred thousand dollars. And I and I'll be or honest even with cheaper you, than that. part of my real estate um, initiative, I have to give thanks to to this a love guy. You know, he was living in a neighborhood that. I just went there and I just fell in love with it. I desired to live in there. And despite what my family was telling me about, you know, mm, unaffordable, can't vision. do it. You know, I was able to speak to this A-Love guy to keep me motivated to do it. And one of the lessons I, when I was looking, it was like these buildings were like at that time 400000 I'll never forget the number. They were around 400000 And you needed 10% down, which is 40000 And coming up from single mom, government housing, 40000 to me is like $4 million. I'm right. like, <laughs> how? In my head, it kept struggling with me. Like, I'm looking at all these buildings, and I'm thinking everybody in this building basically had to have 10% to put down. And I'm just like, how did they get this money? Like, there, there's a w- there has to be a way. Because yes. I did the math at that time. I was making about $30,000 a year. And I did the math of how I how much years it would take me to save $40,000 or traditional round, like right. David saying, through Seems the job. Impossible. And I'd still be saving today, mm-hmm. five years later. <laughs> so what did you do? You robbed so, the Brinks truck? You robbed the bank? <laughs> so, you know, you I found out, like, out. you know, what luckily, you know, I was I got some stock options for my first job. There you go. And, you know, Seven different streams of and, income. you know, that was, like I said, everybody has a gift in life financially. It's what you do with that gift. And I didn't plan on buying real estate with it, to be honest with you. I just had nothing to do with it. And at the time, now I'm 28 years old. I didn't want 30 to come, and I'm still... <laughs> I'm still, <laughs> oh, then, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, now, that, back then, haha, that's so funny. Oh, still be a I, I, I don't know. I didn't still be at, I'm, well, I was, yeah, quote unquote, living by my brother, like by right. his mother. I didn't want to be in that situation. And then, you know, as I like to call myself financially conservative, the rents and apartments were like $1,200 in New York. And I'm like, $1,200? That's like one of my paychecks. Then wow. I'm like, what am yeah. I be left with? So I had to find a better route. And I just started looking to buy. And then when I, when you know, I had this money that came back to me, I was like, oh, that's how they do it. And that was yes. my down payment. And then I realized the hustle. People that own, like, when I was young and a guy came to I own 12 buildings. I have four, 18 buildings. It's like, wow, how did he do it? But a lot and of now, that is inherited, though. But now that I learned as I got older, I was like, oh, I see how he does it. He buys one building, you pull out the equity. That's right. You use that, you buy another building. You pull out the equity. But So I tell everybody, even the classes I teach, you only need to buy your first building. Just get in the game. Just get in the game, you know. Ooh. And even the beautiful thing about New York, which I like about New York, is that you can buy almost anywhere in New York, and it's realistic that next year you can have a hundred grand to pull out. That's right. a realistic thing. And I'm saying in other places around the world you live, there's probably the similar opportunities. Right. And then once you get that first one, second one, you build those relationship with the bank. You take them out to eat. Mm-hmm. You show they they have confidence in you that you're doing good things. Yep. That you're a hustler. You're a mover. You're a shaker. And this path is not an aggressive path. We have to take a lot of risk. It can be very conservative in the decisions that you make. I never had like some outsource. I never had a David Germain tell me about the great deals on the side. I always found properties the old school way. The newspaper. And, <laughs> old and, school is still the best school. And, and, yeah, the newspapers and you know listings. What's sad is culturally, like like you think about how many for African American people, how many people are, are instead of getting an inheritance. Our generational wealth—they're—they're they're getting debt passed down. Right. Like, think about trying to, you know, I, compete and 
you're you're getting you know you're, you're carrying a load of debt. Yeah, There's a movie that always reminisces my head, and it I don't know why it's that movie with Denzel Washington where he has to watch that little girl in Mexico. Yeah, I know one? that one. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember that movie, and like throughout that movie. You know, he had to actually pay somebody to kidnap his own daughter because he didn't have any money. He was broke. Not and Denzel, but the the, 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 the guy, the guy right. that was Denzel was watching. And and what came out of that movie is that his like he, he had a facade. Everybody thought he was super wealthy, he was super rich. His family was rich, but his dad had so much debt, and his uh-huh. dad buried him in debt to force him to do something that was inconceivable, which was arrange to have his daughter kidnapping kidnapped for the insurance money. And that always, like, that movie came out in the early 2000s. Mm. And I was like, I don't want to be that guy. When I die, my kids are, like, thinking that, oh, dad lives in a brown, so he had all these buildings. And then, boom, it hits them, like, this guy was owed so much. He was broke. And you can, in in reality, I'm sure all of us know, you can play that game. Oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. on paper. You can play that game where everybody Mm -hmm. on the outside thinks Mm -hmm. you got it going on, Mm -hmm. and they don't know all the debt you're carrying. And then when you die and the collectors come and get it, you're like, who is this person? Man. And I always remember that movie, and I was like, I don't want my and significant other and my kids to be like, this guy was living. Because then your whole reputation comes down as like you were living this fake life. Correct. Well, let me ask you guys something. The way you lay it out, it seems so straightforward. It is. You put together a nest egg, you buy some type of asset, and you guys are primarily talking about real estate, but it could be stocks, it could be life insurance, it could be any number of things that would allow you to pass something on to the next generation. Why do, why do so many people not do this? Lack of knowledge, period. If they knew better, they would do better. But, there are, but here's, my, here's my pushback on that. There are a lot of people in Brooklyn. You can, I remember as a kid, I'm 51 now. I remember as a kid going to Flatbush, Brooklyn, where my West Indian, where the West Indian community was, for example, mm-hmm. and so many of my mom's friends owned these homes, and their children did not benefit from this from these homes. Although it's interesting, because David, you being on the front lines as a real estate broker, mm-hmm. I know you've shared so many stories where um, homes are passed down, but then. I mean, maybe you could take it from here. Yeah, they call people like me, and they go sell it for a bowl of soup, as I call it. You know, I mean, it's crazy. You know, I, I know a client of mine where the mom, the grandmother, left three brownstones, and you know, as soon as the kids got it, they just basically let the house go into foreclosure. I, I, and I blame the parents. It's for a that. foreclosure. I, foreclosure. I blame. I blame the parents. Like I don't understand the secrecy. Like I don't understand why I can't tell my son how much money I have in the bank. Why I can't explain to my son I think the it's, buildings? It's a great question you said. You know, it's the relationship to money, especially in our community. We think sometimes money is like, you know, um, especially in the church, you know, they say, oh, money is the root of all evil. And it's not right. the root of all evil. It's the lack of money that's the root of all evil, right? But, you know, I think when we hear money, we think of it as such a bad thing. And, oh, you know, the wealthy people are evil people. Actually, wealthy yeah. people are some of the best people to actually help the poor and, and help the needy. Condition. I, mean, I would interject that I think there's there's you're going to find good people and bad people of from all fine. There's wealthy people who are fine. There's wealthy people who are not. Correct. There's poor right. people who are you know I I, I don't know that that I, I would just push back a little on that. I think you know I think you're going to find. I'll use my people. term. 
Oh, my term. My, sorry, Forbes. Or I'm sorry, A-Love. <laughs> I'll come up with my own term, but I'm just saying I think you can find people of character who have on both sides, uh, on both sides yes, of the... Sure, but I think sure. everybody listening to this show, I mean, teach your loved ones from the beginning what you're teach doing. How you're doing. And I think the issue, is, like you asked, why is it not happening? Because even mm-hmm. myself included, we all think we have more time. And I, and I say time and time again, our most valuable asset is not money, it's, it's time. And if you learn and understand that, you will understand generational wealth starts right away. Like, mm-hmm. if I could go back in time, I would be building my generational wealth for my kids from, from day one. It doesn't start right. at 40, doesn't start at 50, doesn't start at 30. It starts at day one. And as a parent, it starts teaching your kids from That's day one. So if something thing. happens to you accidentally, they know how to move forward with what you're doing. Know what the the deeds are. Know how the businesses run. Know all of that. that. But also, it's what what they see is what they'll be. And with our culture, with the black community, a lot of times we're not modeling this. Like other cultures, whether it's immigrant cultures who come and they have a a purchase or either an entrepreneurial mindset or they're buying stuff or they're sharing with their community, whether it's pick any group. Well, That's I would doing say yeah, well. the Asian, the Asians, I got to commend them. The Asians are like a corporation within their family. If you right. really understand the Asian family, how they move, and I'm just speaking in general terms. I don't want people even, I know an Asian family doesn't do like, in general terms, Asians are conditioned from the beginning of time to work as a family unit. to like. And they're one of the biggest investors in real estate right now. Exactly. If, if one is a doctor, one is a dentist, and one is a school teacher, they're still meeting as a family to invest collectively and if together. Co- and if you've seen that collectively throughout generations... If you've seen that generationally, you know, like each group, like this isn't new to them. This is what they've been doing or not just Asian people. Other cultures have been doing this where they teach their kids from young to buy property. I mean, that's all they live, live, eat, sleep, breathe real estate. And a lot of the the African-American community, I think, is they learn on the fly. There's a lot of people who are learning once they get to the point that they're. 30s, 40s, and they're like, oh, real estate means this, Absolutely. credit means right. that. So it's kind of a, a what we're modeling. I even guess. Sele- even that- like, listen, I'm not going to even, I, I, I can put it out there. This is, this is, I'm a guest today, but next week it becomes my show again. Our show, <laughs> say it, you know? I'm disappointed with a lot of our black celebrities, black people of wealth, because I, I honestly, I'm saying it. I don't think they do enough for the community because they start a non- is it their responsibility? Yes, absolutely. Like Charles yeah, Barkley? I, but I think what you're saying, <laughs> I, I understand the spirit of what you're saying, but I actually think there's in a in the root of that is part of the problem. We're expecting celebrity. Like, it's not celebrities. To me, it's our own families, but, our neighbors. Like, if you go to, like, what Chris Rock said years ago on one of his comedy bits, that in his neighborhood, there's a random white dentist, random white guys, like, whereas the only guy in his, black person in his neighborhood is a, you have to be a superstar, Chris Rock. But right. the white people in his neighborhood are just regular. But let's go back to David's example. But, but no, I'm, uh-huh. let me finish my point. Is I right. think that we're, we're it. It, it's, we 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 depend on our celebrities to put the Superman cape on and be be all, and I think that's part of our problem is we're 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 depending on we're depending as opposed to on the mobilizing on the ground level Mm -hmm. like we need it needs to be it can be top down but it also needs to be bottom up like we need to be in our community. I'm agreeing with you, but I still think there's a give back that is needed that they have to give, and it's a hands on give back. And I'm going to go back to David's example about the Jewish community because I grew up around a lot of Jewish people and see mm-hmm. the mindset that they have. You know, people don't understand. The, their place of worship is also a place of business, yes. okay? And the rabbi is a CEO. If the rabbi says, David, 
I use the example because you have mm-hmm. a Jewish name. They said, <laughs> as they said, David, um, Matt is looking to start a business, and they oh. know that you have a business. You're required from the rabbi to work with Matt to help him get his business moving I forward. I got a real life and example me, of what you just said. Our community needs situations like that. And I always yes. say we don't have to recreate the wheel. We can follow like these other immigrant groups because they're working together for themselves. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. And I think we have enough success in our community. We, and you're right, maybe not the superstar level, but there's levels. Like when we get it, we like to talk over people. Oh, look what mm-hmm. I'm doing, look what I have and make people feel like I, less than. to stroke our egos and make us feel like we've we've made it out mm-hmm. and this is our thing. Why then we should be talking to them versus over them. Just to piggyback off what Sean said, um, I remember I had a Jewish uh, man come into my office to buy a property, and, you know, he didn't have the money for the down payment. So I said, you know, in order to buy he said, I'm very interested in this property that we have for sale. And he said, look, I really want it. I said, well, you know, are you pre-approved? And he said, no, but I will definitely have the money. Um, give me a few days. Don't sell the property. So... I'm looking at the agents in the office like, you know, how is this guy going to even come up with this money? He came back three days later, and guess what? He had the money to buy the property. And I asked him, I said, I, I just I had a confused look on my face, and I said, sir, you know, with all due respect, how did you go about getting the money to buy this property? He said, oh, in our culture, if we, you know, um, as you said, you know, real estate is such an important thing that, you know, we'll come together to give you the money to buy this property. Let me go with, let me even trump what, what David just said. When I was at university in my early 20s, I like I said, I went to school with Jewish guys and, and they were like, they want to buy this investment building for students to They'll live come in. come together. To come, and, and they said, Sean, do you want in? And I was shocked. You know, I'm the only non-Jewish guy a part of this crew. And they're like, hey, I, I didn't have the money. I was faking it to make it. But I just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but I was deep, deep in student loans. But they were like, came to me and said, Sean, do you want in with this building? And I'm like, Okay, so how are you guys going to get your share of the money? They're like, we just go to the rabbi, mm-hmm. tell the rabbi what we're looking to do, and the rabbi within the community um, gets the money for us. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just so shocked. I and, was you know, blown away. And, and, and I was like, wow, it's that simple within their community. Yeah. And I'm like, we don't have that. We and, do you know, have it. We just don't utilize and it. And when we meet people, like, for example, you know, you know, I've known David maybe now a year and a half, two years, and you know we met on certain circumstances. But when we really get down and talk, we have a lot in common. Yes. And you know, and for us to like hold different beliefs or different feelings and vibes, we would not have made the connection that we've made. Mm. And I think everybody in our community needs to put whatever differences aside and say, "Hey, this is somebody that can help me and mm. help me grow and and do better." Correct. And I think that's the problem with our community. I mean, not to get too political, but there there are reasons why the conditions of the african-american community why they're why they're the problems started for from reasons there's reasons for that yeah. you see you know? this is the um, you know that's funny this is the black american um, argument and then we are the canadian arguments and I, you know your history is a lot deeper than ours when you kind of think so you we, 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 I, I get it but to me it's a point like we understand that but we have to move forward yeah oh nobody's the, the that's why we're having this show. Is we're all we all agree we need to move forward. But you ask the question why, and to me that like why is this community doing this and why is that community doing that? Well, there's mm-hmm. clear reasons why there's a mess in our community when it comes when to certain aspects. When your traditions have com- have been completely stripped away from you, you know that you don't know your identity. You don't right. know who you are. Hey Forbes, how come you're not commenting on your? We have so much passionate conversation about this stuff. What are you shy? <laughs> what are you shy, dude? I'm, I'm waiting for you to, to back me up, bro. I'm, 
I'm listening to I know you guys. No, you need I'm to jump in. You guys talk, jump in. but I will say that you know we have this argument in my household as well because my wife's African American and I'm West Indian Canadian. I'm like it was. We're talking about 1865 to 2020. Is that? Are you saying and, that's a long time or a short amount of time? Uh oh. Uh oh. I'm uh-oh, saying uh-oh. that. I agree that things have to move forward. It's like you and you and I had a discussion the other day, Matt, and I said, well, what, like you always say, Matt, if nothing changes, nothing changes. And I feel like what's, what's important in this conversation is that in order to have wealth that can be passed along generationally, things need to change. And it's it's more about what are we doing to me it's more of a discussion of what are we doing now because like i said those homes my grandfather alone had seven buildings in new york when he lived in guyana my my uncle came here to a property that my grandfather had my aunt came here to a property that my grandfather had and they leveraged those properties to start their lives and go forward I'm just saying a lot of those homes, like I said before, when I was five years old, that's 45 years ago, a lot of those children that grew up in those homes were not able to leverage those homes to start their lives. The home, as people hit retirement age, they sold the homes, moved down to Florida, back to Guyana, back to Jamaica, wherever, and the money just went into the abyss. They didn't know how to leverage it. So I'm saying... If you know, that's why this conversation, like you said, is important because if we don't talk about it, if we don't change, nothing will change. But the other thing I want to say in this conversation is you guys are making generational wealth seem like it all comes down to real estate. Well, and there's real estate many other ways to pass along generational wealth. Real, is... real estate is one great avenue. But mm-hmm. I also want to make sure our viewer understands you can pass along stocks. You can pass right. along bucks. Mm-hmm. You can pass along cash. So say, like as long as you're passing something along. Right. So it's funny you should say that. I have a few, you know, I have three ways you can do that. Um, there's a great website called Money Done Right. And you don't have to have a lot of money. So I think a lot of times people get intimidated. Where do I start? That word just sounds so big and so daunting, right? But yes. they actually give three ways on how anyone can start building generational wealth with, say, $25 to $500. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. one, as you mentioned, was investing in dividend paying stocks. So who doesn't love a dividend, you know, where you get a, a, a check, you know, on a regular basis? And mm-hmm. uh, you can do that through an app or uh, it's, it's a platform, sorry, called Ally Invest. And basically, you open up an account and you can basically trades are only like three ninety five per trade versus like E-Trade, for example, where you're, you're paying about $7 a trade. Um, but you can start investing with as little as $25. So that's a great one to look into. Um, there's another one, uh, called, um, uh, if you actually, if you want to invest in real estate, it's called Fundrise. So that's another platform. Uh, basically it's a private, um, uh, investment, uh, platform to, that where you can uh, invest in real estate there. You can start with $500. Um, and again, these things probably wouldn't have been possible without the internet, but now with advanced technology, it makes it so much easier for anyone to get in. And that's, again, if you right. have $500 to $1,000 in your pocket, you can start investing in real estate through this pa- platform, and it's called Fundrise. Um, and then another one, and you had mentioned cash. 
good old mm-hmm. just lending money out and getting interest for it, right? The banks have been doing it for years. You know, why mm-hmm. can't you start being the bank? But say someone needs a $25,000 loan, right? You can get in from a crowdsourcing perspective and actually right. make 4 to 6% on your money, right? Starting with $25. Right. So this site um, is called Prosper. So rather than having to put up the $25,000 to get your interest back, because that could be risky, right? You can put in $25 and they will actually find another 1,000 people who want to put in $25 and you all make nice. your 4 to 6%. So again, that's Prosper.com. All right, people. So it's time for us to take another quick break. I'm just getting started, bro. Sleeves already rolled up. Jacket <laughs> on. This, this on my lips. I'm ready this, to go. This generational wealth <laughs> mindset got Sean raring to go. So stay tuned. We'll be back with more Two Black Guys with Good Credit. Keep it locked. Two black guys with good credit. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Today's topic is generational wealth and the generational wealth mindset. Arlington, what are your thoughts? I want to know what's the discipline you guys utilize in order to achieve this mindset. Because there's a discipline here, and there's and it's a long ball game. Well, I'll go first on that. Well, I can tell you right now, the Bible has all of the wealth principles that a lot of these books come from. And some of the books that helped me besides the Bible was Think and Grow Rich uh, by Napoleon Hill. And I got The Black Choice by Dennis Kimbrough. Um, Jim Rohn. Uh, one of the greatest philosophers, he trained people like Tony Robbins. He has so many wealth principles. Um, also, Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, also changed my life. Okay. So these are just some of the books that I could I could name so many, but it's So reading. what did you learn from these books? What were the What did you glean from these books that became the rules that you were going to live by in order to achieve 
a wealth mindset because you, you're still on the path, mm-hmm. right? Both you and Sean are still on the path. So you have to live a certain way in order to bring this thing to fruition or you could flame out like a year from now. You could, you could, if you're not applying a discipline, this could all flame out a That's year, correct. 10 years, 20 years. So what are you doing? What is it that you're doing differently? So for me, every day I have to renew my mind and I'm constantly learning from successful people. You know, the good news about the Internet and YouTube University is that you can learn from successful people every day. You can learn about their stories. What they, You know, if there was a class on failures, you can learn so much because, you know, with every failure brings with it the seed for success. And I learned so many uh, information from failing me in my personal life and just in other people's failures, but also just learning from successful. Because most successful people or millionaires, they failed a lot of times before they became wealthy, you know. So that's the thing that I constantly immerse myself in is reading and learning from successful people that I admire and actually have actually done what they've done, you know. Because a lot of times you don't want to get advice from, you know, people who haven't done where you want to be, you know. Sometimes we get advice from the wrong people, and you want to make sure you get advice from the people for where we want to be in life. Right. Sean? What's your discipline? You know, my I'm always, you know, and my mind is always racing ahead of myself. I'm I'm really not much in the present. I'm always forethinking next steps. And mm-hmm. I think what it comes from for me is that, you know, I'm determined to leave something for the next generation. Um, that's what wakes me up. That's what forces me. I've had a good life. I've had a good run. I don't I don't have too many regrets. And I just want to make sure that Damn, you sound like you're in the ground. Well, you know, it's funny. To me, it, it may sound morbid. Oh, it may be. It, <laughs> no, I'm like, damn, did he just die on the show? You know, some, you know, it's so funny. My my nephew in Barbados. I was just telling him next time I come to Barbados, I got to make sure that I have things in t- state for you for the for the building because he property manages the building for me. Big up Jamal. And I'm like, I got to make sure that I have everything in order for you to come here. Because why are you always talking this death thing to me, Sean? You, you plan on dying sometimes, too? Well, you got to plan your death, too. And, I, you know, I, not to sound morbid, and I'm not suicidal by any means, but, you know, I, I, I have comfort in death. I have no problem with it, you know, and it's, it's just a part of life. And that being said is that I want to make sure that if it comes tomorrow, if it comes next year, if it comes 30 years, if it comes 100 years, I want to make sure that those around me that I care deeply about have something to leverage and That's grow correct. off of. So that but alone gets what me are out you of bed. Saying the discipline to a generational wealth mindset is be comfortable with death? Well, preparing for it. Like, you know, right now I have a, a, a million dollar policy on my life so that in the event, if I die tomorrow, even if I die today after this show, you know, what? <laughs> you, know <laughs> you know, my son, my family, they're going to be taken care of. You know, all, you know, all my affairs will be taken care of. You know, the properties, they'll, they're not going to suffer because, you know, God forbid, I got hit by a car crossing midtown Manhattan right now. Well, Arlington, if you were to answer this question, what's your generational wealth mindset? What's your discipline? See, what I'm trying to get at through this is like, in order to pass this wealth along, you have to hang on to it. Like if Sean loses his buildings, then this, this there's there's no passing. You know, if 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 David squanders the money that he inherited, there's no passing. So what I'm trying to get at is there's a discipline because you have to know I have to make like you guys said before, you guys are in the struggle. You got to make the pay. You have to make the money to make the mortgage payments to keep the buildings intact. 
and out of tax rebate, out of foreclosure, out of all these things in order to pass them along. You have to take the money to buy the stock and maintain and manage the stock and make sure it doesn't go to zero in order to pass the money along. So I'm like, what is the discipline? And and to grow that, you know what I mean? Because there's a lot of upkeep in this process. Well, let it me doesn't answer, just let me answer that question flow on its own. You know what I'm saying? Let me you get what I'm trying to get at? Let me answer this question. I think with generational wealth, what we focus on sometimes is the tangible things like the real estate, the stock market, building a business, life insurance. But there's also intangible things that we mm -hmm. that we that we know, and it and that's passed on from generation to generation. I, and a clear example is that I remember I heard a story a long time ago, where a poor lady wanted to marry this very wealthy man, and they're flying over the Pacific on his private jet, and he asked her to marry him, and she said, "I can't marry you." And he said, "Why can't you marry?" Because because you're extremely wealthy, and I just don't know if you'll accept a poor woman like me. And he said, "Well, what if I gave away this plane?" I gave away all my money and I gave away all my fortunes. Would you marry me then? A fool he is, to be honest with you. But she, he did ask the question. And she said, um, if you were to do that, you would prove your love to me. And yes, I would marry you. And he said, well, if I gave away my plane, if I gave away all my money, if I gave away all my stocks, you know that I would be rich once again because it's a wealth mindset. Once mm -hmm. you learn how to make yes. money, you'll never be poor. Correct. So one of the intangible things that we knew as part of generational wealth and creating it is first educating your children. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, and it really it, that really plays a factor and not even just in finance, but in just educating them in general. And then daily, like I tried to daily, daily, when I say daily, daily teach my children like financial literacy. Because if that unforeseen does happen, I think my kids know real estate. My sons would know. I can I can put my head on a rock to say that they would know the importance of buying real estate, because I've I've taught them that. Mm -hmm. They would know the importance of and you of, showed them of, that of, too. Having their business, having a business, yeah, because they've seen that lifestyle that can mm -hmm. give with doing that. So they would know about like David mentioned residual income. They mm -hmm. would know about having multiple. I don't think my kids would ever be on the mindset of just one income. They would be on the mindset of having multiple streams of income. So that would be my generational wealth pass on to those that think like I don't have these assets right now. It's encouraging your kids and educating your kids. And I guess sum it up, listen to two black guys with good credit and register financially clean. They'll be there all right. <laughs> there you go. It seems like the, the, the discipline that you both seem to utilize is you're constantly studying up and learning about how, learning how to develop a wealthier, a wealth mindset. And then you're sharing that information. You're passing. You're learning and you're passing. You're learning and you're passing. And that's the discipline learn, earn, return. Um, of what you both are doing. And I and going back to what Matt asked me a moment ago, um, what is my wealth mindset? As you know, we don't. My wife and I, we don't have kids, but I believe that I would like to pass on what I have to my nieces, nephews. I definitely believe in that system. So the discipline for us is, yes, to create. It's the same. It's very interesting because I thought I was going to have a different answer, but it's the same. I sit down with my nieces and nephews and we talk about financial literacy. But I feel like part of this process is you have to be a steward. You have to be a steward of the assets that you're passing along. Because if you mess it up, no one's going to get anything. Right. You know, it's about discipline is to be a good steward, to keep that building functioning to keep that business going to keep those investments moving forward I, I so would, it's, it's about being a good steward i would add to that that culturally i think and and i'm speaking to um our elders like my 
my parents years ago, and I was not a part of this conversation. I didn't. I I don't know what the situation was, but like that, my dad took the property that I grew up in, the home that I grew up in, and he he signed up or did a reverse mortgage, which mm. it it totally strips yeah the ability to pass. That's the point. Only I, if you well, need it, and it's like you know. But the point I'm making is that I think mindset like I would just encourage people to educate themselves this this whole conversation I think is it's just great for people to turn on a light bulb and think about their heirs think about inheritance think about what you can pass because if you act in the moment obviously sometimes you may have extenuating circumstances that may cause you to mm-hmm. make moves to to handle issues of the moment but if you're thinking about the the future, if you're thinking about your heirs, if you're thinking about generational wealth, um, mm-hmm. the decisions you make and how you handle or how you what was what was the term you just used? You have to be good stewards. How you yeah. how you steward your your properties, your 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 finances, your your economics. You know everything you have. If you're not if you're living in the moment, you can make a misstep that can impact generations as well. So For sure. uh, I just definitely think if i had a you know we had we had a show the other day about if we had a time machine and can go back to tell mm-hmm. our younger selves this or that but like right. I, I just Peter. think about that moment when they decided to do that with the the, the property mm-hmm. man if, if i would have been a part of that conversation or and, and aware if I, if I knew them what i know now i definitely would have tried to do all i all i could to talk to them about finding a different way to deal with whatever the financial issues were of that day so we could yeah. preserve the, the the wealth right let me say one mm-hmm. more thing i wanted i wanted to add this into this conversation because i think it's a very important component of generational wealth you can buy property from your family yep, generational can. wealth can be achieved by buying property from your family you know you have an uncle like 75 years old and living in a house mm-hmm. buy the house from your uncle right Set up terms with your uncle and say, uncle, you know what? Let me buy the, I'll buy this property from you. You can live in it, whatever. Like I, I'm a firm believer in a simple strategy. I'll buy this. I will maintain and manage this property. You live in it. We rent it or whatever. You can have all the income as long as you're alive. And when you pass on, I'll take on this building. Mm -hmm. It's just a simple strategy because Instead of selling that property, it's like Matt said, if Matt could sit, have sat at the table with his father, it's possible that Matt could have said, you know what, dad, I'll take the house. I'll continue to pay this mortgage on my income, which is continually rising. I'm a young man on the come up and I'll put you in this apartment or I'll keep you in the house and the home stays in the family. Like, I think we need to think more about because oftentimes we're going out looking for new properties. But there's properties right in our family, our family realm that our seniors are aging out of or unable to maintain. Why not? Why not buy a property that's already paid off? Absolutely. I agree. And I think it all comes back to mindset as well and, and shifting a lot of the societal, mm-hmm. I think, um, forces at work, because sadly, I mean, we heard uh, David and, and Sean mentioned earlier, that sounds so straightforward. But so many times your own family actually doesn't want to sell you the home. Um, For sure. There's still this, you know, I'm not sure, but it's 
you know, it's 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 working on breaking some of these strongholds in our minds on mm-hmm. what it's, what it means to really be a collective in terms of building each other up and investing in each other. So that's a big part of the conversation too. No, I agree. I've 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 proposed this. Sean and I have talked about this in a theory, and I've discussed it with different family members um, because in my current family, there are people that are they're they're aging out of these properties. But these homes were paid off for a long time ago. And it's like, look, you just need someone to maintain this for a short window so that it can go to your grandchildren. And that's you know what I mean? Wanna, yeah, you're absolutely just, right. Just, you just need me. You, all I'm doing, I'm just going to step in right here. So, Auntie, you're 85. Trust Don't me. Don't sell the house. Let me take the house and I will oversee it. I'm going to rent this out and all the rent will go to you. Till you, you know, till you pass away. And then I'm going to hold this house till Brenda, who's 16 now, who I think has a lot of promise, becomes 25, 26. And I'll pass it on to Brenda. Brenda starts with a house. Let me just say this. And, you know, I'm glad you brought this up. And it's, you know, it's something that's built up in me for years. And I'm just, I want to say this to all the senior aunts, senior uncles, senior grandparents listening to this show. And that don't trust the youth behind them to to let them start leading the way. Like, in simple terms, when you get old, you need to start letting go of things and giving the young people the opportunity to leverage off what you've built. I'm sorry. Yes, my son is going to make mistakes. Yes, my nieces and nephews are going to make mistakes. But when your eyes are still open, it's for you to guide them and teach them, not be... 80, 90 years old, I have aunts still holding on to things and not willing to let that next generation come in and step up. Because collectively, right. you can do so much more. It's better to pass on the generational wealth when your eyes are open versus when your eyes are closed. Correct. It's so mm-hmm. frustrating, Like, and especially working with young kids. Young people are so intuitive. They're so smart. They're so creative. They just need to be guided a little. And for you as an older person to not like work with them on that, not leverage on, not do that, and just sit back and 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 hold on to these assets that you have maxed out, you've rinsed out, you've enjoyed through your years of life, and not yes. do that is a very selfish. And I'm going to say it again: selfish act. And if you don't listen to anything, listen to that and understand that these kids are not perfect, but they deserve an opportunity to get involved in what you've helped create. Yes, you know what, love by definition is the benefit of others in spite of self and you know if you really love david's like a sage like (laughs) he's got the voice of eric sermon and he's like a sage out here (laughs) but like sean said if you really love your family you know you want them to do better than you and i think Mm -hmm. that also comes back down to some of the stuff where the self-hatred we don't want to see the next some people don't want to see the next generation doing better than which is Mind Can I talk on you, David, right there? I don't think it's that we don't want to see it. I think we Short have this side. mindset. And anybody, uh, you guys tell me if I'm wrong, because I, I really feel like now we're really getting into this generation. <laughs> <laughs> like all of a sudden it dropped five levels and we're deep. I'm starting to believe that there is a thought process of why should you have it easy? Mm. I had to struggle to get this house. Oh, you better go out there and get oh, your struggle you're so on right. right. And we're like, why? I'm like, why, why, why do I want my nieces and nephews to struggle? I want right. you guys to be rich. I'm dead. Mm. I'm gonna be gone. Like, what am I? What have I worked for? And I think when we talk about this process, 
I think one of the key components of it, one of the key disciplines of it is selflessness. Yes. You have to stop living a selfish life. At some point, you have to realize your life has to be bigger than you. Yes. Correct. It's got to be. Because when we say, Matt, when, and this is, a, I'm going to go all the way back, when Sean's like, oh, hey, love, you're not saying anything, that's my frustration. I'm like, from 1865 to now, we couldn't figure out, like, yo, we can give a house to somebody? Right. Yeah. On mass, just a little bit easier. On mass, we couldn't come up with that mindset. That, but what do you hear all the time? And what do you hear all the time? I literally had a conversation with a family member the other day where I said, "Listen, this property you're living in, it's worth about two million dollars. Let me and Jack take it over, and you know, we'll rent it out." Blah blah blah. And they're like, "Nah, we don't want to do that." Done. Conversation and, and, done. And what was their alternative? <laughs> they're just done. They're you like, the "Yeah, out. we ain't doing that." I've had, you know, I, I'm not scared to say it. I have an aunt. My great aunt, you know, late 80s, property that has been passed down from generation to generation that she wasn't able to, to take because there was not anybody else in there to really stand up to her in ways that we should have, like still holding on to it. And I've seen properties that had houses and buildings that now have been flattened out because it's just mismanaged by her. And there's and her idea of renovating is just changing a window versus wow. like, yeah. and I've seen, yeah. honest to God, and this is no joke, sky, the the Sandals Hotel, Hilton Hotel, have all built around where our family property is. And we still have these dilapidated buildings. The gap is dilapidated now to the point that if she allowed the younger generation to come in and assist with her, not just myself, my sister, my cousins, we would have been able to keep up with the Sandals, the Hilton Hotels, and all of us would have been benefiting today. I wouldn't have been on this show. I would have been, <laughs> <laughs> no, been in Sandals and Toes. You would have been So that is upsetting and when i see older people and i hope i never become that miserable old man no. that's not willing to share the not pass it on like i'll be happy the day that i can tell chase go get those rent checks chase this tenant above is harassing me you go deal with it and and you know what to do and i'm at home relaxing and they can say and i can just tell them just give me this room here and give me x amount of money every month and the rest is yours i'll be the happiest man alive you know, yeah. just to piggyback, I have a good friend of mine. Her name is Wendelin Williams. Shout out to Gotham Properties. Her father was an investor, and he had over 10 properties. And just like Sean said, his her father, so her father basically had her go with her, go with him to pick up the rent and show her how to collect rent at 16 years old, you know. And because of that experience of her father showing her how to go about buying properties, taking equity out, now she was 21 when she when she inherited those properties. She's now an investor and able to pass that knowledge down, and you know really become very as awesome. we say generational wealth. Well, I just want to add that you know we've gone on for about a generation on this 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 topic, <laughs> <laughs> and I still think we probably need to come back around and, and discuss this more maybe in some future episodes. But uh, we're going to have to take a quick break, and then we'll come back and we'll wrap this up. More Two Black Guys with Good Credit. Keep it locked. Two Black Guys Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Today has been a great day. We've been discussing generational wealth, and uh, we'd like to thank our guests. So first, let's, let's give it up for our guest, David Germain, everyone. Woo! Yes, thank you. To God be the glory. So, David. Tell the people where they can find you. Give us, you know, give us your your social media info. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at proven p 
P-R-O-V-E-N underscore winners. Proven underscore winners. And you could also find me uh, at www.provenwinnersrealty at compass.com. Any little final words on, on this topic? Um, you know, learn, earn, and return. That's all I can say. Okay. Short learn, and earn, and return. Come back and return what you know. I like that. Uh, our, our other guest, Mr. Sean Linda, uh, we would like to thank you for joining us, sir. Do you have any final uh, thoughts on this? And, and you could share your social media handles with the, the listeners. Final thoughts. You know, the young people, I would say, start as early as possible to build your get the generational wealth system going. Understand, like, and this is not about, you know, I know this, so we've talked a lot of examples in the African-American community. I think this is all communities to really build that generational wealth. And then I would think of the older generational, you know, to pass on the teachings and to really build for the next generation. Because it really hurts, like, the younger generation when we, when we, when, when we, are not having that 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 baton passed on as effectively as it should be, so that's it. And you, do you want to sure. tell the people how they can? Oh, I'm allowed to say that now. Oh yes, you can reach me at. I'm also uh, you know I also co-host a show called Two Black Guys with Good Credit. <laughs> but We've heard you, of you. You can reach out to me at Financially Clean Sean on Instagram. That's S H A U N. You can reach out to me on Instagram at Financially Clean Sean. Follow me. Perfect, Dion. Hey guys, um, this definitely was a show, and I know it's not. This conversation's not done, so I think you know definitely uh, stay tuned. We're gonna start talking about how we pass on yes. these assets, this wealth that we're creating. Um, we touched on it a little bit, so yeah, definitely you know stay stay um, with us uh, for future conversations. Uh, and uh, in the meanwhile, always we love to hear from you. Uh, Definitely send in your questions, your comments uh, to TBGWGC, that stands for Two Black Guys with Good Credit, at gmail.com. Please always keep following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Two Black Guys Good Credit. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review so others can find us. Like Jelani Nakai Turner, who kept it short and sweet and to the point. He said, great podcast for practical Real life changes. Thank you, Jelani. And my name is Dion Nichols, the lady with the history, the stats, and the cold hard facts. And I'm out. Thanks, D. And my bottom line this week is we need to definitely start paying attention to our mindset and think about passing along wealth to our heirs. It's so important. We need to stop living in the moment and, you know, really plan out our future. Be intentional, but be intentional about what we want to do with our assets uh, and like my partner usually says we want you to keep your money in your pocket and in your family's pocket uh so i'm matt smith one half of two black guys with good credit and remember yeah, nothing changes in my line you criminal <laughs> i don't think i didn't hear it remember nothing changes if nothing changes arlington people this week my takeaway is that in order to have generational wealth or have a generational wealth mindset, your life has to be bigger than you. At some point, you need to start looking at the next generation. And whether that's your children or it's your nieces and nephews, there's someone in your family that has an entrepreneurial mindset. There's someone in your family that can be a good steward of your hard work. So I think it's important to 
find that individual, guide and and um, nurture that individual so that you can pass along the things that you have done. And for the older people out there that are years ahead of where I am, look for that individual in your family. Pass these things along. Because if we don't start to pass these things along and develop a generational wealth mindset, so I'm talking about passing along assets, stocks, information, it'll be 3,020 and we'll still be reciting stats like what Dion gave at the beginning of this show, where Black people are primarily inheriting debt or maxing out it as a $10,000 inheritance. I'm A-Love. I'm all about the future. And I'm all about building generational wealth. I think this was a great show. I'm out. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.